Welcome. Special weekend short episode uh, featuring the latest Huggins and Scott auction catalog. I don't encourage you to send off for it at this point because the auction deadline final bids will be March 11th. It's better to get it online and see even more pictures than they have in their nice catalogs. I've got two auction sponsors, Huggins and Scott, as well as Heritage. They approach things a little bit differently. Expound on some of that in this episode, but thank you also to Topps, Panini, and Upper Deck, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and uh, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Thanks, Bill Huggins and, and team for another good uh, catalog that uh, I actually do get the printed catalog because I like to go through it. And I went through it in a different way today to share what I learned, confirm some of the things I expected, but it added a little uh, to the mix here. So one of the things that happens, Rich Klein, my buddy, knows that I like the Huggins and Scott approach with some of these difficult to describe lots. Rich and I have, a it's not a game, but we like kind of share between us out of the 2,000 or so lots that frequently are there, Rich generally will say, hey, I bet you'd be interested in these 20. And I pick about 20 as well. I mean, I'm retired. I'm not looking to buy too many cards, but I love to look through the catalog and see which 20 or so I might be interested in buying. Frankly, Rich knows me well enough, but again, I'm my own person. So basically we overlap on about half of them. He'll pick out 20. I'll pick out 20. He's very well aware of what will sell on Com C, which is one of my venues. He's also aware that if there's a full description of the lot that anybody can see and easily understand, that's actually less interest for me. I actually like to be surprised. I'm not worried about unusual things that come out. I don't have any problem going through oddball stuff and knowing how to break it down. In fact, I think I have built up that skill over the years. And further, I would point out as a sports card insight is that, again, I don't think you can follow in my moccasins, uh, obviously, to the fullest extent, but certainly the amount of time I've spent in the hobby means I have a lot of familiarity with uh, what cards are what and what they're worth. But I say that in the context of without having to look them up. I think if you have to look up everything, you can't buy a large lot or it'll take you all year to, to break it down uh, or at least to optimize the value. Bill Huggins, his uh, auction is famous for taking it all. So if you've got a collection, they always have some interesting lots. I've always thought it was more lots than individual cards. They certainly do have individual cards. I also noticed I'm not as interested in the individual card lots. So they have some smaller lots. In fact, the smaller they are, that's Rich thinks, hey, you might really like that. And, and he's right, I would like it, but I think there's a lot of competition when it's a smaller lot. So generally, I go for the bigger, less well-described. For example, Rich was recommending, there was a New York Giants lot that's uh, lot 203. That is a good lot. And lot 1604, uh, a Yankees lot. That is a good lot. But I'm more of a generalist. I like the Yankees. I like the Giants. I like all teams. But I feel like I'll leave that to somebody that is dedicated to their team. And, and those aren't my specific teams. So I don't want to bid against somebody that's a passion. I don't even want to bid them up. If I'm interested in something, I want to go for it. If not, I'm, I'm not interested. Rich also knows that I'm not a big fan of adding to base cards, even though in many cases, some of the base cards that I have won, I've, I've donated to Rich for his uh, synagogue show. So I'm also not a big fan of non-sport in the sense that I'm aware there's opportunities to make money on some of the non-sport sets. But there's not the same enjoyment. If I'm going to have leftover cards, I'd rather they be sports, even though the, the non-sports thing. I think there is an opportunity. Again, another sports card insight. We've talked about how this hobby is fluid. And when something gets fully priced, people look for other things. And there's certainly some uh, bargains of non-sport things that haven't gone up. So I broke down the catalog for your understanding, because I thought a lot of the catalog is vintage. And I'm right about that. 
But uh, let me break it down further, and, and I'll just use rough percentages so it, it doesn't get into the exact numbers. But it seemed to me about 15% of the lots uh, in the catalog were vintage singles or, or very small lots that were mostly baseball. So baseball, vintage, singles, or very small groupings, certainly less than 20 cards. That was about 15% of the lots. Another 15% of the lots, I think, is uh, Huggins and Scott Bread and Butter. Those were vintage baseball groups, more than 20 cards. Hundreds of cards, thousands of cards, but strictly vintage, and I'm using the pre-1980 vintage term. That was another 15% or so. I'm using rough percentages. So that's 30% that's just vintage baseball, singles, and groups. As I've said, I'm more interested in the groups, but uh, there's some good deals on the singles. There was another 25% that's, again, mostly baseball that was non-card lots. And I have won some of those in the past, but that's not really my bread and butter. I'm not sports insights. I'm not sports collectibles insights. I'm not sports memorabilia insights. I'm sports card insights. So I give them a once over, but I leave that again for somebody else. There was another 10% that was non-sport cards. I thought that was interesting. I always like looking through that, but again, not for me. Let's see. Another 15% was football cards and uh, football stuff. A lot of that was vintage there. And basketball and really all the other sports, the hockey, boxing, NASCAR, soccer, golf, all of that was about 10% or less. Why is that the case? Basketball, there just aren't as many sets that are pre-80 for basketball. So the age of the consigner for Huggins and Scott is probably a little bit older, and so they're not bringing. As I said, Heritage tries to take it all as well, but Huggins and Scott takes it all in some of these ways that they break it down. But if they're not being offered stuff, they're selling what the consigners have given to them. And they're doing a, a really good job. If you check my math, I think it did not add up to 100%. I'm aware of that. There's probably another 5% or so that was hard to uh, discern, multiple categories. But like I said, I was struck that 25% were non-cards and uh, 10 or 15% were, were not even sports. And uh, football had more representation than I thought. Basketball had less. And the modern, I, I think I left out, there's about 5% or less are modern cards. I was really shocked at that. But again, there are many other opportunities and uh, venues to do that. Again, it's not their bread and butter. They're not going to turn it down, but it's not the main place to go for it. Another interesting catalog. I will be bidding. I'm trying to be cryptic, so I'm not disclosing. I'm not going to bid anybody up. But if I uh, bid on things, it's because I think I can have fun with it, that I can uh, keep some cards for my wall and have uh, some cards to maybe sell off to get my money back and then have some kind of like free cards. So that's the way it's been for me. I know Kyle from Wax Museum talks about the joy of buying collections. I totally resonate with that. Rich knows that. I know that. And uh, a lot of the veteran collectors who've seen a lot know that it's fun to get something and, and just uh, break it down and, and see what you get and be surprised. And like I said, in almost every case, I've been pleasantly surprised. Thanks, Hugs and Scott. Thanks, uh, listeners. And I will be back again with another episode on Monday.